Support comes from Austin Water, helping residents reduce water use while protecting Austin's precious resource during the drought conditions with MyATX Water, providing near real-time water use data, tips, and leak alerts. More at austinwater.org. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Welcome to This Song, the podcast where artists talk about songs that open them up in some way. Because, you know, certain songs are like mind-expanding. They're life-expanding. And those are the songs we want to hear about. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen. And before we go any further, I want to ask that if you listen to this podcast and you like it, please take a second to click on over to iTunes and leave a rating or a review. It helps the podcast in these, like, algorithmic ways that we only barely understand. Plus, we would love to hear from you. In this episode, we'll talk to three artists, Matthew Logan Vasquez, Michael Kincaid, and Kevin Sakani. And the conversations we had, well, honestly, editing them helped me process the week we just had. And I hope that it will help you, too. You see... I live in Austin, Texas, and the week that preceded this episode was an especially tough one for our city. The world lost David Bowie, and Alan Rickman just stays apart from each other, and then we in Austin, we lost Paul Ray on January 15th. Paul Ray was a musician and a much-beloved DJ in our town. He had a show called Twine Time that aired on Saturday nights for decades, first on KUT and then on the station that I work for, KUTX. He would play the most well-curated mix of early R&B that has ever been seen in the history of man. And he really helped define the vibe of our city. We're all just wrapping our heads around the fact that we live in a world without Paul Ray in it. And without David Bowie and Alan Rickman, for that matter. And somehow editing the interviews for this week kind of helped me process that loss a bit. Matthew Logan Vasquez and I ended up talking about spirituality and the existence of God and death, and Michael and Kevin both talked about David Bowie. First off, Matthew Logan Vasquez. He's a member of the band Delta Spirit, and he recently moved back to our fair city. And he also has a solo career. He's released an EP aptly named Austin, And he's doing a series of shows around Texas for the rest of January. And then, on February 9th, he'll release his first solo LP, Solicit a Return. He and his Texas band came into Studio 1A way back in October. And afterwards, he sat down with me and talked about a song. But really, like, we talked about so much more than just a song. So here he is, Matthew Logan Vasquez. So when I was 19 years old, I only knew like a Rolling Stone from Bob Dylan. Once upon a time, you dressed so fine, through the bumps of dime in your prime. Then you. Like most kids that don't get into music, and I listened to a lot of heavier music um, before that. And then when somebody started turning me on to the acoustic earlier parts of Bob Dylan's 
music. Uh, one of my favorite songs that he wrote was called To Ramona, which is off of Another Side of Bob Dylan. Ramona, come closer, shut softly your watery eyes. The pangs of your sadness will pass as your senses will rise. For the flowers of the city, the old breath like it death like sometime. And there's no use in trying to deal with the dying, though I cannot explain that in lines. And that song is like this heartbroken letter of, um, like telling someone that their worldview. It's like, I love you, but I can't be with you. And it's your worldview that's messing with me. And I'm so opinionated about it through this whole time. And then coming at the end of the song, he comes around and it's like, maybe I'll be crying to you. Maybe everything, all of my opinionated, you know, self-righteousness is crap. And and who knows? Look. Actually, he actually says, And someday, maybe, who knows, baby, I'll come and be crying to you. Um, but that was a perfect time for me, uh, kind of walking into agnosticism and growing up into a person that um, isn't so self-centered. Oh, so, and you, you said you were around... I was around 19 years old. 19? And mm-hmm. do you remember why you heard Bob Dylan? Was it a friend who... Yeah, actually, it was when I was... Um, when I was a kid, so this this person that showed me that uh, when I was uh, younger, um, this guy Jeff Sosnow, who now manages that band Fiddler. He used to work at DreamWorks Records and uh, signed me to a development deal when I was really young, 19. And he took me to Amoeba Records and actually bought me um, Tom Waits' Closing Time, which I'd never heard. Which is another, I could go on about that, you know, or right. like Velvet Underground's first record. so good and he just like blew up my brain and then I had six months to like collect that and I couldn't like register all that stuff until years later but I had all these CDs and well what was the kind of music that you were playing when he signed you to the development deal like it was like Nirvana meets Pink Floyd meets Jimmy World sounding which doesn't make any sense well like it makes some kind of strange sense no it doesn't rock is the sense that it makes it's just like non anything music and that's all I've ever done is just I write songs because I hear the song and then I 
just play it and then the people that end up playing it are the ones who make it do what it does oh but but did he want to kind of expose you to these other musics so that you'd have like more input and write different songs i was think that he, the idea? he was like he saw something in me and still does i love him so much and um and he he just wanted to like bestow all this knowledge it's like no no artist of mine is gonna like walk the earth and not know how and, great these things that moved me like uh, all those moments where you have a friend to kind of like guide you along and he was definitely one of those people that um steered me right wow i mean it sounds like he just kind of like opened up your head and like <laughs> dropped in all of this yeah that's happened a couple times but it was like but that but that period was very much like those are like the kerouac records a lot of people in the younger 20s when they first discover how good a song, like a folk song can be, or how strange and freeing, like the Black Rider or, or Bone Machine or Mule Variations, those Tom Waits records, mm-hmm. or how free you can feel listening to Nick Cave and somebody be that much of an artist. And, and you know, that's what, that's what it's all about and, and connecting with that and being that. And were you at a, you said you were kind of walking into agnosticism. So was all this music... Like when you heard it and you were kind of stepping away from Christianity and stepping into a more, was it more of like a gray area musically or, I mean, not gray area. I don't know what I'm really trying to say. Are you talking about sonically? Not sonically. I guess I'm trying to say. Or like metaphysically, like my mind. Metaphysically. It's more like if you listen to the first record and then the second record really starts to kind of challenge the existence of God. But it's also saying, I and I still feel this, you know, it's like I don't. Uh, I don't know if God's there, but if he is, I want him to be. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And if he isn't, it's so amazing to be on earth. And, and I'm going to live my life in a spiritual way and love people because, you know, if the earth goes away or when the earth goes away, because it will, and all of humanity's gone and everything that we wrote, no one's going to read it because it's going to be eaten by a black hole at some point. Um, it doesn't matter because it was like the most insane piece of art that we are ever a part of. And I, I'm so happy and I get to live in ecstasy of thinking about that. Do you mean like the earth as the most insane piece of art? Yes. We were our ever humanity a part of? Yeah. or living things period. But I, but I think humanity, you know how dynamic it is and that we're within it. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. Ah. I'd never actually thought of humanity as like just a giant, it's just performance art, just like a giant's <laughs> performance art experience. Well, if I was God, and I was looking at this, I would think it was interesting. That is true. But I'm not God. Right on. But I don't care. <laughs> You've been fooled into thinking that the finishing end is at hand. Yet there's no one to beat you, no one to defeat you, except the thoughts of yourself feeling bad. So when you heard this Dylan song, um... Was that, it really spoke to you then about this, like, I, your beliefs, maybe, maybe you were talking to the people you were leaving behind. Like, I can't really hang with you for your your beliefs, but I too may be wrong. That was kind of what you were hearing in it. Yeah. And maybe I'm going to carry myself for a minute like a opinionated, you know, jerk. Right. But, But it's just because you're trying to understand these questions that you have in your head and you're answering those questions honestly and it's like because you're challenging that and the other person isn't or is or is stuck in their thing because of the security um answers are nice yeah 
It's not, I mean, I have two kids totally. and I don't, I actually don't believe in God and they're starting, they're six and four and they're starting to think about death and ask about death. And, you know, part of me wishes that I believed in heaven and could yeah. tell them like, well, don't worry about it. You'll be with You're everyone <laughs> after you die. We're all going to go hang out together. It's cool. But yeah. when you can't, you know, you kind of, you have to find another, another tack to take, which yeah. is like, I don't know what happens, but I know we're alive. Yeah. And I know that this is beautiful and yeah. we can enjoy and it. And that is so spiritual, right? I mean, that's the most spiritual thing. It's love, right? Yeah. When you started tackling those issues in your own work, was Dylan someone that you went back to? Because you said the first record, you didn't really talk about these issues around like death and spirituality. Death and spirituality are always connected with yeah. stuff, you know what I mean? But I think where I was at in my life, I started getting braver being able to say things more direct like uh there's a song called salt in the wound that we wrote that's basically says if you're not there it's still so beautiful and that's what that is well if there's a god in my head then there's a devil too how can i tell the So do you go back to those records that you heard when you were 19, when you kind of like, in order to get brave and like get expansive, do you go back Sometimes. to Dylan and the there's Velvet so, Underground? There's so many brave uh, people out there that you don't have to look that far away, you know? Yeah. And, you know, there's so much groove in music to inspire you. And, yeah. Cool. I'm not worried about it. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate Thank you. it. Holy Mountain from the Austin EP and see what I mean? We talked about so much more than music. I mean, this is the first time we've ever talked about God or death or spirituality in the podcast and I want to thank Matthew for going there because even though we recorded this interview a while ago, well editing it, putting it into the podcast, like it really helped me with the week that just passed. Next up, Michael Kincaid. He's a singer and a songwriter. He's in a band called What Made Milwaukee Famous, and he has a cover band called The Mots, and he plays guitar with Matthew Logan Vasquez. After I talked to Matthew back in October, Michael sat down with me and told me about a song that really, like, set the bar for his musical life. So here he is, Michael Kincaid. There, there's so many. Like you know, I, I, I have a favorite song in the world. Of course, it's "Under Pressure" by uh, Queen and David Bowie. There's nothing that comes even remotely close to that. Uh, 
What is it about that song as opposed to every other song in the world? It's the best vocal performance in the history of time. Out of two amazing singers, do you think it's you think it's David Bowie's best performance <clears throat> and Freddie Mercury's best performance? It is, it's it's my it's my favorite of, of uh, Freddie Mercury's. I think it's the best vocal performance of all time. If it's David Bowie's best vocal performance, yep, it is. Okay, <laughs> yeah. now that we've established that, <laughs> I mean, now here's a question I always like to ask is like do you remember how old you were when you heard that song for the first time well it was probably like right when it came out because as soon as mtv came out i was just glued to the tv all the time when and did did it come out like August, as soon as mtv came out no it was that was i think it was like 80 i feel like it was eight, somewhere between 83 and 86 i don't remember it's it, it's uh i was probably about 10 or 11 i think so it was probably was there a video to Under Pressure? There was, and it had like Nosferatu and all this. It was a montage of all these different clips, but it was creepy, but, but they had like bustling streets of cities and stuff like that. It was, it was the first art piece that I was completely affected by and every audio visually everything like every aspect of the song was i was floored by it and, and you said you're like 10 or 11 when I, you first? I think so yeah i can't remember exactly when i mean it did you out, feel it when you were 10 or 11 like could you because that, that song has like a heavy yeah no import, it's, you know i mean i i guess i felt it pretty heavily back then i mean it, it's it, it it has so many dynamics that it's you know it goes a bunch of different places oh yeah and and I think that's kind of the allure of it anyway. It's actually epic. Yeah, it's an actual it is, it is epic. Actually, yeah. Like it, it has, like, it has like an arc that goes on and then it kind of goes down and then it goes up yeah. and you're like, it's not the overused epic of these days. Yes. It's the epic of just generations. Yes. From it all, like a blind man, sat on a fence, but it don't work. Keep coming up with love, but it's so slashed and torn. Were you playing music when you were 10 or 11? Had you started? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Kind of? Like, I mean, bad music. But, um, like, uh, <laughs> I won my first talent show at, like, five or four or five. But, what? Well, I was, it, was, it was like, I did Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog, and I had the guitar backwards. So, like, <laughs> it, was not, it was not music by any <laughs> stretch. I mean, I, I, I was singing. It was, it was, you know, that. Yeah. But I, I mean, I took piano lessons and guitar lessons when I was young, but I, was, I, was, I wasn't really writing anything until maybe I turned about 16 or so. Did, when you were, <clears throat> did you try to learn under pressure? No, no. I mean, it's just like, it's the untouchable. It's, yeah. How are you So gonna? I have a cover band and people have asked me on stage to do it. And of course I'm not going to learn it on the spot, <laughs> but like I would never, I would never even try it. It's just no, it's... There's certain things that you just don't, they did so well that you just don't even try to recreate. It's almost like an insult to try to recreate it.
did you ever try to like just learn it for like what how did they do those like what's the chord structure or like what like could you sit down in your room and play it by yourself do you, i mean just maybe you if guitar. i I mean, I've got the rest of the afternoon off. Um, <laughs> I can, I, and I don't really have much. To, I could, I could, I don't know. I, maybe I should go home and try. I, I should, because the chord structure, I bet, is pretty unique. It's pretty. It's an interesting song. Yeah. I, um, and then when you started playing music and started writing on your own, I mean, you've said that you don't want to like cover under pressure, because it's kind of the bar is set so high that it would be ridiculous. Always going to even gonna try. fall flat. Yeah. Um, but have you ever? tried to go for like epicness was that ever a thing when you started writing did you ever think like well i'd like to approach that feeling of like yeah grandness that, no I, I i mean i guess in in that sense that is my ultimate song because i'm always trying to <laughs> recreate grandeur and, and epicness um sometimes uh you don't get there um, something you know, oftentimes songs don't need that too. You know, there's there's plenty of songs that just thrive on having kind of a flat dynamic, um, right? Just because it's it's more about the message or something or whatever it may be. But yeah, no, I'm always I'm always shooting for <laughs> epic, like no matter what. Um, yeah, no, and I guess in, in that sense, it is kind of like the ultimate. Yeah. So is your favorite part of Under Pressure then, is it like that big, like, why don't we give ourselves? I still don't know what he said. Like, you can see, like, that's what I sing every single time I'm in the car. Wait, what did he sing again? I don't even, I have no clue. I think it might be insanity rules under pressure we're breaking. Okay, that's, that's, I mean, that's. It might be. Yeah, you guys think? I think that's what I might have just sang. The uh, the hilarious thing is that that's my it's been my favorite song for since I heard it I think, and I still haven't looked at the lyrics. <laughs> you know, there's got to be some unknown things in this world. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Mysticism. Yes, that's it. I've had less than my fair share of lucky breaks and enough of the spooling around. I got one last chance to. Sultan by what made Milwaukee famous and yep there it is going for epic and how great is it that he's never gone and learned under pressure a song that meant so much for him but in not learning it like he's allowed it to retain that magic that comes from not fully understanding something and thank you Michael for giving me an excuse to listen to Under Pressure. I actually left that interview and went home and started listening to Under Pressure. And then it reminded me of how much I loved early Bowie. And then I fell down this like early Bowie hole. And that's just like a really good hole to fall down into. So thank you.
And finally, Kevin Sakani. He used to live in Austin, and now he lives in Lafayette, Louisiana, and he has a new record out called Day Ain't Done. And he came into Studio 1A and sat down with me afterwards, and it was the day that David Bowie released Black Star. So we were all very excited about this record, and he wanted to talk about a Bowie song, and I'm always game for that. And we did the interview, and then two days later, David Bowie passed away. And I just really felt like, because of those circumstances, this interview really needed to be included in this episode. So here he is, Kevin Sakani. Well, I guess the the first song that um, that really um, that really freaked me out was uh, "Fame" by David Bowie. You know, I couldn't explain what it was that the feeling, but I said, whatever that feeling is, I want to feel that all the time. <laughs> it was like the creepiest thing that I'd heard, and it had, you know, the disco rhythms, and yeah, I mean, knowing all the Beatles stuff, I mean, you know, this song's moved me too, but for some reason, that one was the, the strangest and, and had the most uh, branded impact of memory um, that I can that I can recall. That one, I didn't know what it was. It was just odd. And Angie by the Stones was another one. And they, they, I guess they were right around the same time. And that was a strange sounding song to me. And um, it had a, a kind of a weird vibe that uh, I compared it to the feeling I got when I heard uh, Fame by Bowie. wasn't like you hadn't been moved by music before. Right, I had, of course, yes. And I mean, I was very lucky. I mean, growing up in South Louisiana, you know, we heard a lot of incredible music that was that was from the local guys. But you know, we you know we heard in, in my house. My grandparents used to play Little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis and 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 Tammy Wynette and Loretta Lynn and Hank Williams and all of that stuff. So I mean, I got a healthy healthy dose of of the, the those those guys and um then i started discovering the stuff that you know kids discover I yeah mean, you know but they are what they are but but that you know i just like that stuff but it was some things like this like some of the stone stuff and and um and fame by things Bowie. that didn't go with straight ahead emotion because everything you right. named that you'd been listening to like it's either happy or it's sad right you know right. it's uh it's pretty straight ahead whereas fame is like what is he yeah talking about exactly and why does it make me feel so strange yeah. and like what a strange track if you think about it i mean it had a really cool danceable beat to it and it was uh 
it, it reminded me of, of, of what it was. At that time, I hadn't really been to too many big, big cities, but it, it just had that big city vibe to it. You know, which I also think, like, if you listen to, like, Some Girls, the Some Girls record by the Stones, um, it's such a New York record, and I didn't truly get that until the first time I visited. I mean, I would love the record, but once I, once I was in New York City... All of a sudden, like, you could understand, oh, totally like, oh, this it. is the record. Yeah, that you could is... feel the, you know, the energy and the, and the lights and, 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 and the sleeve, all of it. Love and hope and sex and surviving on the streets started hearing that funk and the sleeves and the like what absolutely what is this that was your because the great thing is is that you know the the whole louisiana culture is is such a folk based um tradition and and you know it's poor it's a lot of front porch music which is brilliant and beautiful i mean you know the, the working man and woman you know you're working hard and then and then Playing with your family around you on the porch, celebrating life and celebrating, which is kind of how the day done thing came about. You know, it's it's the celebrating that hard work and that and that uh, love with the family. Kind of, did you kind of gravitate more when you were younger towards music that that went to that different place, like more city place, and more like kind of? Well, I think one of my closest friends would would say that you know I got a lot. Uh, there was a lot of times I got lost in the lights of something where you know I like the presentation of something, though I like the substance of great music, and I always have. There were there were certainly uh, you know. Turns to the left, turns to the right, U turns yeah. that that you question yourself. Well, how do you know? And then you get that that certain thing that I liked about this was the presentation. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, so th- there there's a lot of that. There there's a lot of that um, that you know I was seeking. Um, I'm always seeking new things, different yeah. things, old things. One of the greatest things someone ever had told me was, uh, you know, from the roots come the fruits. Yeah. And so a self-discovery for me as, as a songwriter is all these, th- you know, things that you try to improve upon was to go way back and, and hear music that, I mean, is in its purest form. Like, I'm a huge fan of the Delta Blues. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, a, it's a very scary blue, you know, to hear a country blues guy, you know, to hear like Robert Johnson, that frightens the devil out of me to yeah. hear a man singing, you know, about what he was singing about. It's almost as like, you know, it's almost as creepy as fame. 
Right. You know what I mean? Well, that <laughs> was, is, that was another, that you know, the Hellhound on the Trail is one of those other moments of yeah. when you hear that for the first time, when you hear Hot Tamales or when you hear Terraplane Blues, yeah. which, you know, you can relate that to uh, Trampled Underfoot by Zeppelin. You know, and then you start, like, you know, really seeing that, okay, these guys got all this stuff from this stuff. So is that kind of what you try to do with your own music, is take, like, from the roots, but also take from these kind of less traditional straight ahead sure. emotions and put it all together. Yeah, like, it's a fun thing to do. You know, a lot of people, you know, we we we're tickled with a lot of the reviews from you know, we, it's not you don't want to start reading all, all your reviews, but you know, when when my manager would throw a, a review and they'd say they would always say the word gumbo, which, you know, gumbo from our culture is throwing everything in a pot. You know that you find in the front yard. <laughs> you know, so it's it's kind of like it made sense that musically, you know, we would sit down and, and do that kind of thing where, you know, some of us like country. Well, we all like country. We all like rock. We all like funk. We all like all these different styles of music, and then we just all kind of throw them in, and it becomes what it becomes. Yeah, mix it up, make yeah, that gumbo. Absolutely. And then a lot of the European folks would call it like Cajun or Zydeco, and it's like I was like very nervous about don't call it. <laughs> Because the Cajun Zyko guys are going to get really bad, but you know they equated the uh, the accordion stuff that we have on the record to that, and uh, and my 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 take on it is if if you're hearing it you know that way it'll make you seek out people you know that that are doing the really legit you know the Cajun Zyko music. Yeah. And you know, and he, you never know where, when you're going to get that creepy fame feeling. That's right. Too, you, you, never, know? You, you never, never know. know where I still you're get find it. it. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think the last thing that that did that to me. Um, it's if you you know, it's few far in between these yeah. days because I mean, there's so much to to sit. It's hard there. to process all that. Probably all the music. Bowie's new record is probably gave me that same <laughs> creepy feeling. We should go and listen to the new Bowie right we now. Should. And see if we, we should. We should. Yeah, because yeah. it, it's today's the day. Cool. But yeah, it's good stuff. Awesome. Well, thanks for sitting Thank down. You for I appreciate us. it. Appreciate it. Thanks. It's your boys, five o'clock, it's five o'clock and the work won't stop. It's your boys, five o'clock, five o'clock and the work won't stop. I said, hey, working day ain't done. And below me you can hear Day Ain't Done from Kevin Sakani, and I liked what he said about David Bowie. Like, Bowie brought these extra dimensions to his music. And he could make people feel these, like, feelings, dark, strange, hidden feelings in a way that no one else could. And obviously, we needed him to do that. I think Simon Pegg tweeted this week that we were all lucky to live in the time of David Bowie. And the same could be said for Alan Rickman. And I know that we in Austin were incredibly lucky to have been around during the reign of Paul Ray. that's it. You have come to the end of another episode of This Song. This song is a production of KUTX 98.9. It was produced and edited by myself, Elizabeth McQueen, and David Sanger. The interviews were recorded by Cliff Hargrove. Thanks to Peter Bab and Diedrich Gott. Our theme song is Mahoot by Austin's own hard food, Afrobeat. 
You can email us at thissong at KUTX.org or tweet us at thissongKUTX. You can subscribe to this song along with the other KUTX podcasts, liner notes, song of the day, and Austin Music Minute on iTunes, or follow us on Stitcher, and we would love a rating or a review. Right on. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you later. KUT's next AT Explained live show is April 3rd. Brand new stories about Austin's people, places, and culture told live on stage by your favorite KUT journalists. I've never gotten any specific invites from Steiner Ranch. And that's about the time Charlie chomped down on that chicken. I will hypnotize you into securing my law services. Join us April 3rd at the Paramount Theater for KUT's next AT Explained Live. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at austintheater.org. And we'll see you there.